Our New Testament passage today picks up in Philippians chapter 4. I entreat Eudia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. All right? So agree in the Lord. So there is conflict. And you know, you're only going to find peace in the Lord. You're not, you're not going to find peace in in sociological methodology. You're not going to find peace in a compromise arbitration situation. You're going to find peace in the Lord. Yes, I also ask you, true companion. This is also translated as loyal yoke, yoke fellow. Most scholars put this as the pastor. Help these women. Okay, so these ladies need some help with their conflict. Who have labored by my side with me who have labored by my side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. All right. So this had been a great worker. Great workers, both Utica and Sitiki. He said, hey, man, they were part of the team. And now these two wonderful sisters are in tremendous conflict with each other. So he says, you know, loyal yoke fellow, pastor, would you please help these folks get along together. They're, they're going to need a little help trying to understand each other. Now, I want you to notice that labored side by side with me in the gospel. They weren't in business together. They weren't helping Paul do business. They were in the gospel. In spite of Paul having his um, tent-making ministry for a short period of his life while he was in uh, uh, Corinth and also in Thessalonica, we never find him asking people to join him in business. We only find partners in the gospel. But also I want you to notice names who are written in the book of life. <laughs> That's heaven. All right. You've got your name written down in heaven. We sing the song, there's a new name written down in heaven and it's mine. Your name is in the book of life. He continues, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. All right. So joy is a choice. When the government announces 30 more days of lockdown, we choose to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Let your reasonableness. Now, the translation says moderation. So people should look at you as a reasonable person. They can, you know, you can work things out with each other. Do not be anxious or worried about anything but in everything, the anything and the everything ties together, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, all right? So the companion of prayer, this is prayer's companion. Prayer's companion. Let your requests be made known to God, all right? So prayer is to God. Prayer is not to people. Prayer is to God. And the peace of God, okay, this is God's peace, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, there's that in Christ again. Now, notice God's peace stands as an armed guard, and literally that's what this means. It means an armed guard. God's peace stands as an armed guard 
over your hearts and your minds. Your heart would be your emotions and things, your mind, your attitudes, and your thoughts. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. All right, so now we have our thought life. Now, it's very important for us to begin to understand the Christian thought life. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. I quote you these verses out of Proverbs all the time. Now, I want you to notice whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything of excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. This is what you are to focus your thought life on. Now, now guys, please, you're not supposed to, I don't care how young you are, I don't care how many hormones you got, you're not supposed to focus your thought life on lust. These are the things you're supposed to think about. I don't care how so badly somebody's hurt your feelings, you're not supposed to allow your thought life to focus on resentment or hurt or bitterness or anger or hostility or any of these things. I don't care how discouraged you are. You're not allowed to let your thought life think about, oh, I'm so discouraged. If, if, you, allow, if you allow your mind to go there, it, I'm sorry. It's just, it's just not going to do you any good. So you need to take every thought captive, as Paul says, and learn to focus your mind on these things. Think about these things. If there's anything of excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, anything that makes you want to worship God, think about those things. What you have learned, received, heard, and seen in me, practice these things. Now notice, in me. Now Paul doesn't say what you saw in, in uh, Timothy, what you saw in um, uh, John Mark, what you saw in Peter, what you saw in James. He said, no, no, in me. I, I've been the model for your life. Follow me as I follow Christ. He said, no, you've learned things from me. I stood there and taught them to you. You've received things from me. You've heard things from me. You've watched my example. He said, practice these things. Now, again, people don't like this today because they say, oh, you're doing this, you're doing that. No, you're not. People need examples to follow in life. This is why it's important as a connect group leader that you live the right kind of a life and they teach the right things before the people of God. Now, when you've got people that are just going off in their own direction and going, no, 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 I, I'm going to do my own thing, well, then they can go off in their own direction. But the congregation has to have a model to follow. And this is why the, the pastor's life is so important. This is why when a shepherd gets struck, the sheep are scattered, the Bible says. Paul said, whatever you've learned, received, heard, and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. All right, so here is the fruit of that decision. He said, listen, if you just learn to live the life that I've taught you to live from the scriptures and from my lifestyle, he said, the peace of God will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly. And now at length, you have received, revived your concern for me. He said, so Paul said, hey, I'm rejoicing. I'm a, I'm a happy guy. He said, now it's been a while, but you've revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. So all right, they'd been separated. 
He said, you've revived your concern for me. I've been, been absent for a while, and, you know, it's been impossible for you to, to show any love for me. But, hey, it's all flowing again. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Now, he continues that. He said, I know how to be brought low. He said, man, I know how to be broke. I've been broke. He said, I know how to abound. He said, I've been prosperous. He said, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty, hunger, abundance, and need. Now, notice, the secret of facing not just poverty, the secret of facing plenty. That's the, You have to learn the secret of prosperity. How do you face prosperity and not get arrogant like people get arrogant? How do you face the, the what's the secret of facing hunger? Paul said, you know, I've had to go without to preach the gospel. He said, I've, I've faced, I know the secret of facing abundance. He said, I know the, the secret of facing need. And here's the secret. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. He said, now there's the, there's the secret. This is the secret. The secret is this. Your prosperity or your lack of prosperity does not control the ministry. <laughs> your prosperity or your lack of prosperity does not control the ministry. Paul said, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. He said, you know what? I don't need money to preach. He said, now, if I got money, that's fine too, but that doesn't affect the preaching. <laughs> Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. Paul said, you, you gave to me and you helped me. And you Philippians know yourselves that at the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. All right, so notice, giving and receiving are tied together, just like Jesus, give and it shall be given unto you. All right, so here is the key. The key to prosperity again. Giving and receiving. Now, it, evidently, it wasn't very popular for people to help Paul preach the gospel, but these people did. Even in Thessalonica, so remember, Paul went from Philippi, and then he went on down to Thessalonica. By then, he'd run out of money. He said, even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift. Ah, this is important. But I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Now, there's a truth here that you've got to get a hold of. You know, I changed my computer. I've changed the mics. I'm still having trouble. Paul never reached for the money. Paul never reached for the money. just didn't happen. Put this up a little higher for you. He said, I'm not seeking the gift. Paul, didn't sell. Paul said, I didn't go around and personally raise money from you and come into your homes and ask for money. He said, but let me tell you what I seek. I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. He said, what I'm seeking is for your receiving. Uh, he said, I want you to prosper. The greatest truth I try to teach pastors about receiving offerings is simply this. Your goal is not to get money from the people. Your goal is to get money to the people. And somehow pastors sometimes don't get that. We're not trying to raise money from the people. We're trying to get prosperity to the people. Now, 
some of you wonder, why hasn't Pastor Samuel been doing you know, online giving every night like other churches and all this kind of stuff that we see all over the web? All since this began. Because, forgive me, I know you. I know that you are faithful. My goal is to see you prosper. Because as you prosper, I know that you will be faithful and return the tithe and return the seed to the Lord. I know that. I don't have to, to push you and convince you. and do, I don't need to do any of that. My goal is to see you receive. My goal is to see the fruit that increases to your credit. I know how much seed you have in the ground right now. I know how generous you have been with helping the poor. You know, we give eight to ten million a year in feeding the, the people down in Aroma. That's what it costs us, cash out, not counting all the food. That's what it costs us, cash out to support Aroma. Eight to ten million a year. And you give so generously to that and beyond. I know all the funds that you've given to preach the gospel and do crusades. And my goodness gracious, I, I don't need to stand up and raise money from you. What I need to do is challenge you to receive. I need to seek the fruit that increases to your credit. And that's what I've been working on all these last seven months. He said, I have received full payment and more. He said, I am well supplied. In other words, don't send any more money. Having received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Now here is, here is how God looks at an offering. It is a fragrant offering. It is a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Now that is a beautiful offering. Every time you bring a seed, it is a fragrant offering before the God. It smells beautiful as it comes into the presence of God. A sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. All right, so here's the promise. But notice who the promise is given to. It's given to givers. Look at all of this. All of this. Paul's talking about their givers. Paul looks at these people and said, listen, you have to understand you have been a giver. He said, now you need to back up and understand God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Riches in glory, not earth. God is not going to meet your needs according to the condition of the Philippine economy. God is going to meet your needs according to the economic conditions of heaven. Streets of transparent gold, giant pearl gate. It's a very wealthy place. Now, brothers and sisters, this is a promise given to the givers. Now you understand what I've been trying to work on for the last seven months. This is a time for you to receive. You have been faithful. You've been faithful tithers. You've been faithful seed sowers. Now this is a time for you to receive. God has made you a promise. Because of who you are, because you have been givers, how many times? God says, Paul says, and my God. Not, not, not the government, not somebody else. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Wow. I don't even dare begin to get into that one. All right. Let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship.
Old Testament passage today picks up in Jeremiah chapter 1. He said, Pastor Summer, where's Sister Bev? She's so much more fun than you are. I know, that's why I married her. She'll come back. She wants to do Ezekiel. All right, so she'll come back. She's working on putting together Ezekiel now. I'm going to do Jeremiah with you. Now, Jeremiah is sometimes called the weeping prophet because he is lamenting over the sins of the people of Israel. So let's get into Jeremiah chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests who was at Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah. Okay, so this is King Josiah the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Joash, king of Judah, until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the captivity of Jerusalem in the fifth month. So if you remember all that reading that we did earlier about Israel's fall and King Josiah and Jehoiachim and all these guys in the exile, okay, this is when all of this prophecy took place. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. All right, now here is, here is life in the womb, all right? And, and folks, I am not a person who believes in abortion. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So before even form took place, when it was still just life, the, the egg and the sperm had come together and the spark of life had been given by God. He said, I knew you. He said, before you were born, I consecrated you. Wow. So while he's still what science would call a fetus, he was consecrated. He was set apart for God. Before he ever came out of the womb, he said, I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Okay, now not, not just to Israel, to the nations. So he did not just prophesy to the people of Israel. He was a prophet to the nations. Then I said, ah, Lord God, behold, I don't know how to speak, for I'm only a youth. All right, so the call, the word came in youth. God didn't wait until he was 50 years old to say, now I want you to prophesy. The call came in his youth. Some of you young people need to get a hold of that and quit wasting the greatest years of strength of your life. Now, please, let me just digress here for a minute. You know, I'm 64 years old now. I'm still young. But I can't do what I did when I first became your pastor and I was 23, 23, 24 years old. I, I can't put out the work, the physical work. Now, yeah, we work smarter now. We understand how to do things better. We're more efficient. But as far as putting in the sheer physical hours. I can't do what I used to do. Now, young people, you need to give the best years of your life in the ministry. If God has called you, don't go, oh, I'm going to go make money first. Give these best years of your life. Say, Pastor, I don't know what to do. Well, well neither did he. He said, I, I don't know how to speak, but you know what? God will teach you. There was a man who came to see me right after I became your pastor. I was 23 years old, and he insisted on coming to see me. He was not a part of our church. I don't know who he was, in fact. And he came to see me, and supposedly he represented some big group. And 
he said, you're very young to pastor this church. I said, but I have a very old heavenly father who will tell me what to do. And young people, that's what you need to get a hold of. You have a very old heavenly father who will tell you what to do. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Wow, young people, quit saying I'm not capable. Now look at verse 8. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. All right, so people will attack. Now, now, again, young people, this is something you're going to have to get used to. If you're going to be in the ministry, there's going to be some difficult days, okay? Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. I remember the day God called me to preach. And then three days later, I was asked to preach in this little church in Troy, Alabama. And I remember the night standing up behind the gas station. When God took a shy boy who had grown up so poor, and if, you, if you've ever been poor, you understand the, the shyness of poverty. And God gave me an ability to speak that night. See, people look at me today and they say, oh, Pastor Summer, look at what you do. You have no idea how shy I am. You have no idea how my stomach hurts every time I stand up to preach. It's the most unnatural thing for me to do, to go be the center of attention. But I learned years ago, God said, I'll put my words in your mouth. The last prayer I pray before walking under the platform, every service, is God, give me the words to speak. God, give me the words to speak. This, this is what Jeremiah learned as a young man, and this is what some of you young people just need to get a hold of. He's not looking for your ability. I, I look at these people with great abilities. I go, God, why didn't you choose them? These people just love to be up in front of everybody. God, why didn't you choose them? God is not looking for your ability. He can give that to you. Young people, he's looking for your availability. See, I have set you this day over the nations and kingdoms to pluck up, to break down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build and to plant. Okay, this is the, old, this is the office of an Old Testament prophet. Now, prophecy is different today under the New Covenant, but this is an Old Testament prophet, all right? Today, the New Testament prophet is to bring edification, exhortation, and comfort. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? He said, I see an almond branch. And the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I'm watching over my word to perform it. Now, what is the almond branch? What did God place in the Ark of the Covenant? the almond branch that budded. And what was that for? It showed that God's anointing that life flowed from Aaron. When people wanted to say that Aaron didn't have the right to minister and they did, God's, God brought his branch to bud and give life. And then that was placed in the Ark of the Covenant. He said, you have seen well. He said, you need to recognize, and young people, you need to recognize. God's hand is on your life. God will use you. And the word of the Lord came to me a second time saying, what do you see? He said, I see a boiling pot facing away from the north. And the Lord said to me, out of the north, disaster shall be loosed upon the inhabitants of the land. That's referring to Israel. For I'm calling all the tribes of the kingdoms of the north, declares the Lord. They shall come and everyone shall set his throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem against all its walls all around and against all the cities of Judah. 
and I would declare my judgments against them for all their evil in forsaking me. They have made offerings to other gods and worship the work of their own hands. And he said, listen, again, this is the work of an Old Testament prophet. You stand before Judah and you declare, my judgment has come because of their evil in forsaking me. He said, but you, dress yourself for work. Arise and say to them everything I command you. Do not be dismayed by them, lest I dismay you before them. Ho, 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 ho. He said, now if you get dismayed by them, he said, I will dismay you before them. So preachers, you don't back down because of the bad attitudes of people. You faithfully declare the word of the Lord. And behold, I make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar, and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. So he said, Jeremiah, you are going to have a very hard ministry. Jeremiah, people are going to fight you. The kings will fight you. The officials will fight you. The priests will fight you. The people of the land will fight you. He said, the message that you are going to bring is not a pleasant message. He said, now, you have to understand that. They're going to fight against you. But he said, um, I'm going to make you a fortified city, an iron pillar, a bronze wall. He said, they won't prevail against you. In other words, God says, you will have the strength to stand the opposition. Now, again, Old Testament prophets and New Testament prophets are different. There is a truth here that stands. As a leader, God will give you the strength to stand against the opposition. Chapter 2, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord, I remember the devotion of your youth, your love as a bride, how you followed me in the wilderness in a land not sown. He's, God said, I remember. Now, oh, beloved, Please may he never look at your life or my life and say, I remember the devotion of your youth. I watch so many believers, and it breaks my heart. I watch so many believers, they start out so on fire, and then it's like a switch turns in them one day, and they turn against God and the things of God, and their hearts grow cold, and you know they want to hang around church, but God said, I remember the devotion. Seniors, please forgive me. Moms and dads, please forgive me. May God never say, I remember the devotion of your youth. May the devotion of our hearts stay stronger and stronger and stronger until the day we go to heaven. Israel was holy to the Lord, the first fruits of his harvest, God's attitude toward them. All who ate of it incurred guilt. He said, I didn't let anybody touch them. Disaster came upon them, declares the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord, a house of Jacob, and all the clans of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, what wrong did your fathers find in me that they went far from me? They went after worthlessness and became worthless? Wow. Oh, beloved, did you hear that? God said, what did I ever do to you? God said, what did I ever do? that your fathers felt that I'd wronged them. What did I ever do to you? He said, and then you went after worthlessness and became worthless. Wow. 
So you become what you seek. <laughs> you become what you seek. You go after worthlessness, and what do you become? Worthless. They did not say, where is the Lord who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, who led us in the wilderness, in the land of deserts and pits, a land of drought and deep darkness, in a land that none passes through, where no man dwells? I brought you into a plentiful land to enjoy its fruit and its good things. All right, notice, enjoy prosperity. God said, that's what I did. But when you came in, you defiled my land, and you made my heritage an abomination. The priest did not say, where is the Lord? Those who handle the law did not know me. Wow. The shepherds transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied Baal and went after things that do not profit. Again, now this is spiritual leaders. He said, the spiritual leaders, number one, did not know God. Number two, they transgressed him. Number three, wrong source of inspiration. They prophesied Baals. And fourthly, they went after things that do not profit. They don't improve people. Wow. There's a lot of spiritual leaders today that God would look at and go, why are you going after things that don't improve people's lives? Mm. Therefore, I still contend with you, declares the Lord, and with your children's children I will contend. For cross to the coasts of Cyprus and see, or send to Keter and examine with care. See if there's any such thing. Has a nation changed its gods, even though they are no gods? But my people have changed their glory to that which does not profit. Wow. People. Do not change demon gods. You don't, you don't find people who worship demons changing their gods. <laughs> Only God's people walk away. Part of that is because what, what we taught you in Romans, that you're, you're controlled by sin, but God gives you free will. See, the difference between demonic, the demonic and God, well, there's lots of differences, but one of them is the demonic holds you like this. God holds you like this. You can walk away anytime you want. He said, these other nations, they didn't change their gods, even though they're not gods. He said, but my own people, they walk away from the real God. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked. Be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. Number one, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. And number two, they have hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that contain no water. He said, now these are two great evils. First, you walk away from God, and then you try to act like you have this new source of living water. He said, it's not true. Is Israel a slave? Is he a home-born slave? Why then has he become prey? The lions have roared against him. They have roared loudly. They have made his land a waste. His cities are in ruins without inhabitant. Moreover, the men of Memphis and Tophanes have shaved the crown of your head. That's Egypt, all right? Have you not brought this upon yourself? 
by forsaking the Lord your God when he led you in the way? He said, hey, all of this has happened because these were your decisions. You know, show me a man's decisions and I'll show you his future. And now what do you gain by going to Egypt to drink the waters of the Nile? What do you gain by going to Assyria to drink the waters of the Euphrates? Your evil will chastise you. Wow. Your apostasy will reprove you. Please understand. Sin brings with it its own penalty. Know and see that it is evil and bitter for you to forsake the Lord your God. The fear of me is not in you, declares the Lord God of hosts. When people lose the fear of God, this is where... This is where everything begins, okay? For long ago, I broke your yoke and burst your bonds, but you said, I will not serve. Wow. He said, I set you free. Okay, so freedom. But you said, I will not serve. Yes, on every high hill and ever under green tree, you bowed down like a whore. Yet I planted you a choice vine, holy a pure seed. All right, so there's nothing wrong with the seed. How then have you turned degenerate and become a wild vine? Though you wash yourself with lye and use much soap, the stain of your guilt is still before me, declares the Lord. How can you say I am not unclean? I have not gone after Baals. Look at your way in the valley. Know what you have done. A restless young camel running here and there. A wild donkey used to the wilderness in her heat, sniffing the wind. Who can restrain her lust? None who seek her need weary themselves. In her month, they will find her. In other words, hey, you know, forgive me. He said, demons, and, and you just need to look at that here. Demons did not have any trouble finding you, he told these people. These demonic gods had no trouble finding you. You were wanting them. Like, forget, this is kind of a nasty way to say it. He said, like a, a donkey in her heat, sniffing the wind, who can restrain her lust? None who seek her need weary themselves. You don't need to go look. She'll find you. These people were so full of bad desires. The, the demonic gods did not have any trouble finding them or, or even deceiving them. They wanted it. Keep your feet from going unshod and your throat from thirst. But you said, it is hopeless, for I have loved foreigners. After them I will go. As a thief is shamed when caught, so the house of Israel shall be shamed. They, their kings, their officials, their priests, and their prophets. So, all right, their kings, their officials, their priests, and their prophets. Who say to a tree, you are my father, and to a stone, you gave me birth. All right, these are idols. For they have turned their back to me, not their face. Wow. Now, to this day, the people of Israel don't like to turn their back to God. If you go with us to the Western Wall, one of the things we'll teach you before you go down to the Western Wall is you walk to the wall and you pray. But when you walk away from the wall, you back up about halfway back and then you turn around because the wall symbolizes the presence of God for the Jewish people. They don't want to turn their back on God. He said, for they have turned their back to me, not their face. For in the time of trouble, they say, arise and save us. But where are your gods you made for yourself? Here are these idols again. Let them arise if they can save you in your time of trouble. For as many as your cities are your gods, O Judah. Okay, so they had lots of idols. As many, every city wanted its own little demon god. Why do you contend with me? You have all transgressed against me, declares the Lord. In vain I struck your children. They took no correction. Wow. Your own sword devoured your prophets. Like a 
a ravening lion. All right, so they they killed spiritual leaders who spoke truth. Now God looks at them and says, "Wow, I've tried to reach out to you folks, but man, this has been difficult." Now, now you begin to understand Jeremiah the weeping prophet. He came with a with a pleading of God. He came pleading with God, the, the, the broken heart of God for his people. May you and I never make God feel this way. May you and I always put a smile upon his face. May you and I always bring pleasure to the heart of God because we love him with everything within us. God bless you. We'll see you tonight, 7 o'clock.